Okay, check this out, guys. I just had my piano tuned, and it's a really good example of something called sympathetic resonance, in which one thing vibrating makes another thing vibrate, and that's how opera singers break the glasses. But what happens is, the frequency of this note is twice as much as this note. So if you have A440, that means this A is 880. So if you could see the waves, you'd actually see 880 vibrations per second. That would be 440, an octave down is 220, that would be 110, 55, and so on. Basically what that means is when you play a note, you hear that frequency, but there are also a bunch of frequencies over the top of that called overtones, and they sound different on different instruments, which is partially why different instruments sound different. But what you can do is hold this down without making a noise, and then play notes that are over the top of that. kind of glowy sound. That is all coming out of that string. You're getting like eight different sounds out of that one string. I'll do it again so we can hear it. That's about the weirdest thing. What are they doing? So I went and asked them, what are you guys doing? And one of them said, just calmly and matter-of-factly, she says, we're standing here feeling the love come off this machine. Wow. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Mr. Dale Pond a little bit later about all sorts of fun physics. Um, but first, as always... Um, my duke's too small for my head to unlock. How's it going? I know when I hear a little chuckle from you before this, it's not good. I was doing good. Were you? Yeah. Until I made that remark. Yeah. <laughs> now you have a duke complex. <laughs> I see. His, for those of you who can't see, he has taken off his duke and thrown it aside. Speaking of... Tukes, I do have a invention, invention I want to talk about. Let's hear it. Lay it on. It's us. not really an invention. It's just a collaboration of stuff that's already going on. So okay, let's Should hear I it. even tell people because no, yeah, somebody will steal my idea. Of it. Pat, just I think as long as you say patent pending after you're okay. Okay, I want to answer your question first. I'm doing well. I'm excited to podcast tonight for some reason. Perfect. Yeah, and we have or Dale Pond coming were. up. I wanted to talk about Dale Pond a little bit. He's got. He's he's had the Pond Science Institute for a while, and they study like old inventors and stuff like Tesla and Keeley, um, all aspects of sympathetic vibratory physics. He creates these beautiful machines called the Dynosphere, which actually I think emits some kind of energy. It's pretty interesting stuff. I've always wanted to talk about vibration, so we get into all kinds of stuff with uh, Dale. It's a great chat. Yeah, it's a fun one. Right? Yeah, he's good. He was great. Okay, so. Now that we got that out of the way. Let's hear your invention. <clears throat> Have you ever heard of uh, tattooing hairlines? Yeah. Have you seen that before? Is that so you can chart your hair loss? You get a new tattoo every couple of years? No, it's just so late. Like if people are going bald and they have like the dark sides and the light top, right? And they shave and they still have that like bald look, like 
I'm going bald. You can tattoo a whole hairline on there, so you can't even tell that you're actually like... So you can fill in those spaces, right? <laughs> no, get this, right? So here's my idea. You go to the hairdresser, and they have a like a semi-permanent tattoo, and they tattoo little dots in your hairline, and it actually creates this obstacle illusion like you've got more hair. Are like you going to use back, that for your bald spot? Do I have a bald spot? You know you go down while you have a bald I don't spot. really know. I never That's see it. The only no. time I saw it was watching, seeing a picture of me golfing in the middle of the golf swing. I'm like, what's that, uh, what's that light spot. thing there on my head? <laughs> so you go and get your hair cut. You get like a five-year semi-permanent tattoo to fill in your hairline. Why wouldn't you just get permanent? Well, because then, the, then you got to have a fucking fake hairline like all the time, right? I mean, you might not want that. In 20 years. Maybe you could just draw it on. You could just get some markers, some Sharpies. And then it goes, and it's not healthy, right? You need something that's going to be healthy. Like the henna. It's like a henna tattoo of your hairline, but it just stays there for a few years. Mm. If you could just invent tattoos that just sticks around for a few years, I think you'll be rich. No, no, the people do uh, makeup, like on your eyebrows and stuff. They'll do makeup. Yeah. So it's like uh, makeup tattoos. Yeah, apparently it does. I'm looking Sounds into like it. a million dollar business right there. I'm just giving people tattoos that they're not stuck with for the rest of it. You're just stuck with it for a couple of years. And you could probably just scrub that fucking thing off if you really want. Or can you? No, probably not. Because it doesn't exist. How do they get, how do they make up eyebrows on? That's not real tattoos and it's not henna. You know, there's a whole like industry of uh, cosmetic tattooing. No, no, I'm not a cosmetician. Anyways, I don't know why I said that to everybody, but it's my <laughs> idea. Now you have to say patent pending. <laughs> patent pending. <laughs> Just got to find a hairdresser that's a tattoo artist. Here you fucker trying to surprise me. Okay, this is the profound UFO quote of the week, and I have these in my phone. It's not in my normal platform, so I want to... I've got four of them here. The four small ones. Okay? <clears throat> this is, uh, behind the scenes, high-ranking Air Force officers are soberly concerned about UFOs. But through official secrecy and ridicule, many citizens are led to believe the unknown flying objects are nonsense. That was former head of the CIA, Roscoe Hill and Cotter, 1960. Hmm. You have four of these? Yeah. I just, I can't have them in my phones. I don't have to go back and Rapid search for them again. So everything is in a process of investigation, both in the United States and in Spain, as well as the rest of the world. The nations of the world are currently working together in their investigations of the UFO phenomena. There is an international exchange of data. That's from General Carlos Castro Cavero from 1979. And that's from Richard Dolan's book, UFOs in a National Security State. Okay, the next one. <clears throat> There's another way, whether it's wormholes or warping space. There's got to be a way to generate energy so that you can pull it out of the vacuum. And the fact that they're here shows us that they've found a way. That's from Jack Kasher, PhD, Professor Emeritus of Physics, University of Nebraska. Here's here's your here's one for you, Darren. Dedicated for me? to you. Yeah. Dedicated yeah. to me. My people tell of star people That's who came you. to us many generations ago. 
The star people brought spiritual teachings and stories and maps of the cosmos, and they offered these freely. They were kind, loving, and they set a great example. When they left us, my people say there was a loneliness like no other. That's from Richard Wagamese, Ojibwe author. Hmm. You chalk that one down just for me? No, I just stumbled across it. Racist motherfucker. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff there. Beauty. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Do you have any stories? I do have some stories. Actually, you know what I'll do is the the quote segment that we missed last week. (laughs) So, drum roll, please. I don't have a drum roll on here. How do I not have a drum roll? That's okay. You just just play the thing. Seems criminal. What do you mean? Just post it in? Are these quotes uh, from Twitter? Uh, do we have to do this segment? Because it's really not, you know, not that important. Why don't you like the segment? Well, usually it's my name attached to a stupid statement. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd have to say make less stupid statements. But uh, no, I don't think these ones are about you. <laughs> See, this one's by me. Okay. Favorite quote, episode 140. <laughs> so you gave yourself blue balls and now you know it's real. That's all we need to know. <laughs> episode 141. Follow the meaningful coincidence life puts before you, and they'll show you the way. Episode 142. Evidence that all myths of humanity are based on a common celestial metaphor is overwhelming. America. I don't think I said that, though. Maybe it was Dave Matheson. I think it was Dave Matheson, yeah. Maybe you did. I think you might have said that. I don't. I don't know. When I read that quote, I was like, I don't remember saying that at all. You're like, that wasn't me. No, I was kind of too articulate. Episode, and we don't have one for 143, but I do have one for 144. Realistically, podcasts, I gotta say, changed my life. <laughs> I'm done now. At least I didn't say forever at the end. <laughs> did you think it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought when I thought about the quote, remember I was talking about it today, uh, I was like, I thought it said forever. If anything, I would have said it would have been for the better. I do have this too, some YouTube feedback for you. Oh boy. This is my first time checking out the show. I want to know the reason for removal from the conspiracy group. Like, what the heck does one do to get booted from oh. a group like that? <laughs> Please, I really need to know. You can't just say... That laugh so hard about it and then not tell us what the fuck. I understand why you do not want to announce it on air, though. I have not my, made up my mind about Grimerica yet. But you are interesting buggers. I'll give you that. And hey, I listened all the way through, so there's that. <laughs> Let you know when I go back and listen to a few more shows. And if anyone is out there and you happen to run into any kind of a new creature or being of any kind, you should not just go and shoot it willy-nilly. You should, however, take a big damn gun just in case you have no choice. I remember hearing that part of it. 
You haven't heard this one before. Somebody tweeted that last part of it, I think. Or a very similar tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was something similar. So it sounds like we have a new listener here. Thanks for yeah. the feedback. And it's interesting how he's the one. Like, when I said that, you know, think of people that listen. They kind of know us. So they would understand how strange it was to get booted out of a conspiracy meetup group. I think it could be because I wasn't fully immersed in the negative reptilian agenda. I mean, another guy because of the group founder is a sociopath. Me and another guy got kicked out for no reason whatsoever. Nothing was said. It was like, we don't, we don't, we're not a good fit for the group. So maybe our belief systems, I don't know. It was such a good, there was a couple of really good meetings. Everybody was open-minded talking about it. And then Turns all of a sudden out. I got the email, you have been removed. <laughs> I wonder if you were in like some sort of weird initiatory process and you failed in some way. I know. I feel like it's a social maybe experiment. Been judging you the whole time. Maybe. Like that show. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> he thinks ETs are positive. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't the problem. I think that's about all I got. Anyways, it is a big mystery. It's kind of weird. I think it's a, some sort of social experiment. Who knows? I've never been kicked out of anything before. <laughs> and you're having trouble coping with it. You're in the denial stage I need right to go now. through that to my psychologist. <laughs> After denial is going to come anger. <laughs> when we talk about this next episode, Finally. it's going to be like those motherfuckers. <laughs> Finally, acceptance, acceptance will be there. Acceptance will be at the end. <sighs> and you'll be better for it. Anyways, we like getting the feedback. I love getting emails from people with their uh, synchronicities and their stories. I got a couple for you here, Darren. If you wanna, Synchros? Yeah, synchros. Which jingle do you want? Uh, whichever one you want, buddy. The rambling ground one is kind of my favorite. Armless. I'm a rambling ground with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. This is from Anonymous before I forget to say and I'll say his name out loud. From let's call him JC. JC, Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, hey guys, here's a synchronicity that just occurred that I suspect will get a low score. See, everybody sends, you know what? Everybody's it's emailing good. It's that good to come in pessimistic. Expecting that Darren's gonna give him a low score. But on a personal level, it really blew my mind and took me aback. I work in animation and I'm coloring characters for an upcoming show whose name I won't mention due to legal reasons. I'll mention that at the moment I'm specifically coloring a character whose name is Dr. D, which I think is, you know, that's vague enough detail without you knowing anything else about the show. Anywho, to keep my mind occupied while coloring, I put on a random Terrence McKenna video on YouTube. I had no idea what it was about, but the title is The Alchemical Dream, Rebirth of the Great Work. Sounded cool, so I put it on and zoned out. As it happened, the video is about John D, the mystical advisor to Queen Elizabeth. So right around 13 minutes into it, right as I'm specifically coloring Dr. D's face, Terrence says, I would place Dr. D at the center of this business. Nowhere else up to this point in the video has he referred to John D as Dr. D. And although I was familiar with John D. beforehand, I've never heard him to be referred to as Dr. D. before this moment. 
So the connection between the video and the character had not even occurred to me. Out of all the files I could have been coloring, and out of all the random YouTube videos to put on in the background at this time, I was pretty blown away by the overlap, especially the name being mentioned as I was literally putting the stylus to the screen and coloring this very character. In case you jump to the conclusion that this is a main character, and I'm working with him all the time, <laughs> this is just an incidental character who happens to be in this one episode. Plus, bear in mind that the video name doesn't mention anything about John D. I had no idea that the video would be about him, let alone the fact I'd never, ever heard to him referred to as Dr. D before. It was uttered at 13.05 in this video. <coughs> so he says, so maybe give me at least a 5.0. A 5 <coughs> I'll give you a 6. Really? Yeah. That's it? And a half. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Could be a little more. I like the Tough ones. but fair. Tough but fair. <laughs> this is a good one. This oh is boy. this is, no, I, I this is just simple, but it's one of these really funny ones. It reminds me of one I would have uh, would have seen on there, like a Mysteries of the Unexplained or something like that, or read in a book. Unsolved mysteries. This is from Toby L, and he's from the UK. We've been getting a lot of listeners to the UK, so a big shout out for the UK. From the UK. From the U. What? So okay. to the UK. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He mentioned a couple, uh, actually, I think he mentioned a couple spots that our guest, um, I'm going to forget his name now. I just had it on me as well, too. One of our past guests. Help me out. <laughs> what were we talking about? His meditation at the well. At the well? Yeah. Do you remember? It was, it was really good. <laughs> So good, I can't remember his name. Paul Devereaux. Do you remember? He was talking about his experience. He says, I'm going to come back on and talk about his experiences because he had that crazy lucid nap. I think that this listener has, he because I, I talked to him about going back to the UK again. So he gave me a, a heads up on a few sites that we should, that I should see while I'm there. You're going to UK? One day. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting aid. <sighs> um, okay, so are you ready for this one? Yes. So he says, I've been meaning to write to you for a while with this. I don't think it's a synchronicity, but definitely an amazing coincidence. And actually, ask me about that statement because I kind of agree with him. I'm keen to hear a discussion on probability and ratings. <clears throat> Around 1995, I had to drive. Oh, I want to set this up a bit more. Hang on a sec. Damn. Do you, do you have something you can talk about while I set this up a bit? <clears throat> I want a good score from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Darren might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low. <laughs> Probably not the best yeah. lyrics to sing. <laughs> Is that enough time? No, you got to say something else. Talk about how they can support the show or something. Well, you can get some t-shirts. Get your Grammaric t-shirts. Uh, we have classic tees in gray. Uh, I think we still got... Well, we definitely have all sizes of gray. There might still be a couple sizes of blue kicking around. Um, we have Take the Shot, all sizes in blue. 
We have Don't Take the Shot in a few sizes. Uh, Christmas is coming, so if you order now. First donations of $25 or more, we'll get you a free shirt. And uh, if you are over the pond, then it's $30 or more donation. We're not selling these things. We're giving away free with donations. Um, uh, we also, you can sign up for a monthly. Grammarica Monthly, help us out that way. Uh, or send a one-time donation our way, grammarica.ca slash support. And that helps keep us ad sponsor and affiliate paywall bullshit free. Because we don't want to have to cut the show into little one-hour segments and sell you the other half. Not no, that there's or, anything wrong with or that. Or do ads or anything like that either. Definitely don't want ads. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so check out grammarica.ca slash support. There's a bunch of different options there on ways you can help out the show. Of course, the monthlies help out most of all. Um, it is cold, and the igloo does need heat. True. That's not just bullshit. No, it's cold, and it's only December 1st. So three more months of hard winter. And if you can't afford to support us monetarily, send in your stories to Graham, graham.ca slash, or sorry, graham at grahamerica.com. Synchronicities, lucid dreams, trip reports, UFO sightings, or just anything you want to get off your chest. Uh, What else? I read them all. Review the show. I read them all, but I can't. If I haven't replied, then send me another one. Yep, and uh, you can always review the show any place you listen. If you don't know where to review the show because you don't have iTunes, then the next best place is Stitcher. Probably head over to Stitcher and leave us a review there. Um, Like us on Facebook. You want to talk about... Subscribe to us on YouTube. I will will read our our latest review from Gadget17392. These guys talk crap. One star. Are they? Yeah. That's funny, eh? Where's that from? YouTube? No, that's uh, iTunes review. A one star review. Oh, that's too bad. So we need you guys to go out there and help offset the algorithm. That is grammarica.ca. We need to get a one star eventually. Yeah, grammarica.ca. No, we got a few now. Mostly because of you. Um, grammarica.ca slash iTunes. Type that into your phone right now. If you have an iPhone, it's going to take you right there. And most importantly, tell your friends about this show. Sign them up for the newsletter, grammarica.ca slash news. Just sit in there and blast in your whole email fucking contact list. Why not? And don't talk crap. Yeah. Or forward uh, the newsletter off to people. All right. Thanks for doing that. I'm ready to go. Finally ready? Yeah. Okay. So this is back to Toby's synchronicity. Sorry about that. Around 1995, I had to drive from Birmingham to the UK, no, in the UK, to Manchester to pick up some files. I wasn't very prepared, so it's a miracle that I found the center of Manchester. When I got to the city center, I shouted a random stranger to see if they knew the way to the Sun Alliance. That's an insurance office. They did, so I was at the office within five minutes. It took me a couple hours to collect the files, then I left the office and tried to follow signs for the motorway. I was very inexperienced and nervous about motorway driving. When I got to the outskirts of Manchester, it looked like I might be about to drive the wrong way, so I turned off the main road into an industrial estate. 
When I approached someone working on a car, he said, didn't you just ask me the way to Sun Alliance? <laughs> at this point, I was probably about five miles outside the center. I've just looked at the stats on Wikipedia. Manchester now has a population of 2.5 million. This wouldn't have changed much since 1995, so the probability of meeting this person again was very low. Thank you for the great podcast. Keep up the great work. I'm going to put the odds at 1 in I've, 150. I've had a few Grimerican experiences, lucid dreaming, flying dreams, plus a terrifying encounter with a shadow creature. So it's great to hear your open-minded discussions. All the best, Toby. So here's to that one-star review. We have open-minded discussions. We don't talk crap here in America. Graham talks crap. Uh, so, hey, this is like, of, I want to compare that to at Calgary. most one in a thousand. You don't have to be a dick about it. Seriously. 2.5 million. Do you know what Calgary, like that's three or four times the size of greater Calgary. And it's like, and it's like driving outside the city to the ring road and bumping into the same person you just met downtown. Twice the size of Calgary. There's no, there's like fucking one and two and a half million. Probably, probably more than that. Like I nah, can't, I'm not a statistician. Not a I, we should figure out how to You're do that. You're not a odds. statistician. No, but the You're chance of that same person being there again. Yeah, but it's not. Where's the meaning? That's what's missing from the coincidence. That's why it's still a coincidence and not a synchronicity, right? Not a synchronicity. It's a, it's a random, glitch in the matrix. It's a glitch in the matrix. So I can't give it a high rating. I'll give it a five. It's pretty crazy. So how would that have meaning then? It doesn't. No, how would it have, like, if the guy had a license plate that was like, you know, don't kill yourself. Or, or something or, I don't know. Or how would it, so if it had meaning, personal meaning to the guy, it would have been a pretty crazy yeah. synchronicity. Yeah. If it made him alter some decision right fair enough all right buddy that's all you got yep i crushed you thanks toby no that was okay no that was good thanks toby it's okay it's a crazy coincidence way up there on the coincidence meter <laughs> but the meaning just wasn't there this time what's next that's it buddy and we want to talk about some stuff. Well, we, we stopped doing the live chat in Mixler. Um, we weren't sure to keep it going or not. If people are interested in, in listening live, in live to our crazy schedule, because it is all over the map, usually Tuesday nights, but it is all over late. the map and usually late. Uh, we might do it on Spreaker. We did a little sample on there, and I think the quality is better. I think it's probably better because we have to pay monthly for Spreaker anyway, so we can kind of get some content going live. But we're not sure if we even want to do it because it's kind of a lot of work maintaining a schedule, and there's just a different amount of pressure. I mean, we really don't change the show at all. It just, uh, it just uh, like I can't pay attention to a chat room and do this at the same time. So I feel like I'm just ignoring it anyways. Yeah. And there's not really ever anyone there. Oh, there's some people there. There's like a lot of chat rooms don't get that many people, but there is up to, you know, 25, 30 once. 50. 50? 51. Well, that's pretty good. That's not bad, but most times it's, you know, 10 or less. I just don't get it because I don't have, I can't listen to live shows anymore, so. I know this is a podcast. We're better that way. Yeah. 
we we're consumed we we're consumed better on demand. True that, and that's about it, I think, buddy. Maybe we could talk about paramania, or if people are interested. Oh yeah, we're... it's like the unconven the uncon the unconvention. We're humming and hawing about heading down to that, eh? Yeah, put on, put Texas. On by, uh, the all of America and Radio Mysterioso April 1st to 3rd so we're thinking about going to that yeah Red's gonna be there Red Pill Junkie if Red's there I'm sure Mike is gonna be there I know the guys from Expanded Perspectives aren't far from oh, there oh right they're gonna be there so mm. and Dallas is an easy flight cheap flight well actually they might still be a ways away Texas is a huge state I can't remember where they are are they in they're Dallas? Dallas are yeah. they all in yeah, yeah. Nick Redfern is in Dallas. Yeah. Mm. So he'll be there. It's basically a free conference. Like, you can have a bunch of speakers and people just hanging out for two days. No charge. Just get your get your way there and find a room in the hotel. wonder if we can convince Efrain to head out. Well, he emailed us about the other one, so we should talk to him. Yeah. Efrain. All, All right, right, buddy. Yeah, enjoy the chat with uh, Dale Pond. And we will pick you up on the other side. Okay, guys, in Grimerica tonight, we're going to be talking with Dale Pond. Uh, we're looking forward to that. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. Yeah, Dale's got a, a diversified background in many things like chemistry, physics, engineering, hydrodynamics, geometry, acoustics, the list goes on. He makes his own tools. He's made some dinospheres. We're going to talk to him about that. Uh, he's also got the Pond Science Institute. And basically, there's, they study sympathetic vibratory physics. So we're finally going to talk about vibrations here in the show. So Dale, I really want to thank you for coming on and and talking about uh, all the like decades of research you've done. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. It's it's um it's one of these topics, Dale. Like vibrations. I mean, it's it's everywhere, right? Everything vibrates, and you know, you hear people talking about it all the time nowadays. And and yet, it's also um. You know, it's got this new age connotation now as well, but I've really wanted to 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 talk about this and kind of get to like, not to the bottom of it, but just to learn a little bit more about the science of it as well, right? Like you kind of started to bridge this gap between science and spirituality. So what's uh, what's new with you, with you and your research and what you guys are doing there? Well, uh, we started to build uh, the seventh dinosphere. Oh, wow. And that one's going to go to Southern California. <clears throat> and um, just before we started this, I, I had a 
kind of something struck me. It wasn't an epiphany, but it was pretty near an epiphany that I'd built six of these already. Yeah. And they all show the same force dynamics. Okay. And some people have described that force as uh, love or warmth or a tingling feeling. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people have, well, even then, thousands of people have experienced this energy around the dinosaurs. And I found it uh, quite uh, amazing that to realize that all six of them show that same dynamic. Hmm. And what that means is there's something there. And it's not an accident. If it was just one dinosaur, we could say, well, this is anomalous, you know, and big deal. Right, right. But it's repeatable. When you repeat it six times, well, then that starts falling under science because repeatability <laughs> is one of the cornerstones of science. Yeah. You know, what is this stuff that we got in this dinosaur? So let, let, let's, can we get into that a little bit for people that aren't sure what, what a dinosaur is? I mean, I was looking at your website there, and I, I saw how, you know how beautiful they are and gorgeous they are, like sort of a, I you know a sound machine type thing. How does how does it work for people that aren't sure? Well, we um, when we started to build the first one, we didn't know anything about them, and we didn't know how to build them, and we didn't know much anything in those days, and we thought because of what the old literature said about what Keeley did was that, um, you know, we were going to make a free energy machine. Uh-huh. And that's what was in our minds when we, in, when we built it. And so I took it to a energy conference in Denver in 96. Okay. And there was a lot of energy machines around and that's what the conference was about. And, and, um, I come back from lunch one day, and there's all these women standing around the dinosaur. And they had their hands out to it, like they were warming the palms of their hands on a fire type of thing. And um, I thought, wow, that's about the weirdest thing. What are they doing? So I went and asked them, what are you guys doing? And one of them said, just calmly and matter-of-factly, she says, we're standing here feeling the love come off this machine. Wow. And it was like, you know, they say when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. And it's kind of what happened to me because I wasn't feeling any energy. All these women nodded in agreement with what she just said. So they were all feeling it. And she chose to describe it with the word love. I mean, how off the wall can you get? <laughs> um, later on, we took it to a... Uh, metaphysical center in Tulsa. And I told the people who gathered there once a week, I said, you guys are going to be guinea pigs. And I told them the story about the women. And, and I said, you know, I don't know what this is. I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so you guys be the guinea pigs and, and I'll just stand here in the corner and, and watch. So the idea was that they would interact with the dinosaur without touching it. <coughs> and, and I would just observe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And this went on for months. And I'll tell you something. I learned so much in those months I, I, that just propelled me into a, an arena of knowledge and awareness that 
that I knew about, and I was kind of familiar with it, but I really didn't know anything about it. Well, these months that passed, we started seeing um, uh, people would come up to it and they would describe this energy in many different terms. It, they would say it was a smooth energy or warmth energy or or love or playful or all different kinds of words. And then we started seeing people being healed. And, you know, I'm telling you that we tried to, we were building a pre-energy machine and all of a sudden, serendipitously, there's all this other stuff happening, which was never intended or nobody knew enough to intend it. So hmm. it's kind of like a big surprise. And so we're seeing these people being healed physically, mentally, emotionally. And I started to piece together a paradigm that would account for the machine as a machine and the human body and the human mind and, you know, all the things like all the bits and pieces I was pulling together. To, you know, how can this metallic machine feel like love and how does it heal people? You know, or why are these people being healed? <clears throat> and uh, we had a doctor come in. He he heard about it through the grapevine. He brought one of his uh, patients who was a psychological case. And this guy, the patient, um, snapped out of whatever it was he was in. And the doctor said, you need to put one of these things in every clinic in this country. Mm. And I said, well, find the right help. We'll do that. You know? <laughs> and uh, I had another doctor who was a chiropractor. I gave him a photograph because he really liked the machine. I gave him a color photograph, which he hung in his waiting room. And he told me later that when people come in and sit down in his waiting room, that after a few minutes, just being in, in the presence of that photograph, he said they were easier to treat. They took the treatments and, the, and everything he was doing to them. Everything improved. I forget the words that he used. And we had a similar testimony from another chiropractor. So there's something going on here. And we made six of these things, and they all do that. So I think there's enough evidence now to uh, justify going into a much deeper uh, study. What about, what about reports of oneness and things like that? Does anyone report feelings like that? Yeah, yeah, there were some spiritual things happening, too. <laughs> we had um, piano in that one room where the dinosaur was, and these people would come in, and they'd be inspired to play music, and, and it was the most divine music you'd ever heard in your life. And they were almost channeling this music, but um, it wasn't a channeling. So, so can you describe a little bit about how <clears throat> how the thing, I mean, I'm not looking for any secrets or anything like that, but just sort of how it works. Like, is it finely tuned enough that it picks up on people's energy as well? Well, it has to do with the structure and the, and the internal vibrations or the mechanisms. It's not zapping anybody with anything because it's just kind of, it's just metal sitting there. But everything vibrates, and all that metal is vibrating. And according to its sizes, dimensions, the materials, and its shapes, 
it's uh, creating uh, certain harmonic fields of uh, vibrating energy. And another aspect to this uh, machine, as I built it, I would treat each piece of metal, each part, as I would a spoon that I was about to bend. In other words, putting chi energy into the metal. Chi energy is just another word for life force, life energy. Yeah. You know, what is that? You know, and somehow or other, uh, these mechanisms will mirror back to people what they are on multiple dimensions, not just a physical. You know, you can see your reflection in a sphere, but it also reflects back the mind, the state of mind, and the state of the spirit or soul or emotions. And um, there's a certain attribute in that mix that if you're ready and if you're willing, you can wake up. We had some people waking up on us. You know what I mean by that term? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it can happen very quickly or it can take months or in some cases, in most cases, you know, we didn't see anything happening. But the testimonies we had, you know, people are, are private. <clears throat> you know, in some of the most powerful sessions that were had were experienced by an individual and they didn't say anything and they left. And then weeks later, they'll send this letter saying, describing all the stuff that happened. In other words, it was a profound experience for them. Yeah. And they had to digest it before they could talk about it. Hmm. And I'm just telling you some of the experiences that happened. I'm not trying to sell you a dinosaur here. <laughs> How much are they? Well, I don't sell them. I will uh, make one on order if somebody wants one. And in fact, that's the only way that I've ever made them. People called and wanted one. Now, is it like a donation base? Like they must have to pay something, right? They're pretty expensive. I mean, they're like one of one of beautiful pieces of machinery, right? Yeah. Well, they take months to make them. I mean, months. And months of machine shop time is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And... um Look it up there, Darren. I think I think we're getting them thirty-five, forty thousand for them now. Yeah, that's what I was. And I'm thinking. not making. I'm I'm barely making wages. Yeah. So, so have you ever had anybody have an adverse reaction to it? Like people with a different kind of energy around them? Um, have, have they ever had? We had we had one gal early on before we understood what was going on. She came in and she was very uh, assertive about it. And she says, well, I can take this energy and I can wake up, you know, bragging. Mm -hmm. Being real arrogant about it. And it's okay, fine, you know, because we didn't know what was going on. And uh, so she sat down there and kaboom, man. <laughs> um, she got mad. And uh, I mean, she got really mad. You know how women sometimes get, well, she got like that. And um, I didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. I was thinking, well, maybe we ought to take this thing apart until we know more about it. And, and then uh, as the weeks went by, we finally started getting an understanding what happened. And it wasn't bad. It was her interpretation that was bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She woke up too quick. And all of her stuff started to come up. Mm -hmm. 
you know, our inner stuff. And she reacted against that stuff, not about the dying. That's right. what dinosaurs do to help you wake up. Yeah, yeah. But she took it too quick. <clears throat> and she wasn't ready for it. Nobody around her knew what was going on either. So now we know. And she apologized profusely because she finally understood what was going on. We all understood what was going on. And, you know, we dealt with that fine. It was great. Mm. So now when I see somebody starting to react that quickly, I ask them to step back a few feet, you know. That's all it takes. Mm. And then come back later. But yeah. just just to break that up a little. If it starts out too fast, like a roller coaster. Huh. Have you ever had more than one machine in the room at a time? Yeah, yeah. In fact, here in the past month, we've had four. Oh, wow. Here. Are they like so, magnets? Do they like. No, they're not magnets. Um, they just put out just love energy. I mean, it's, it's really strange because we're not used to that. See? And um, people notice it when they walk in the building. I mean, it's a dramatic uh, like feeling. Mushrooms. You know, it's like a, a real warmth, huh. loving feeling. And um, I've gotten used to it. I've been around it, you know, forever now. And but other people can walk in and and, and they they remark about it. Right. Yeah, there's, there's something here, and there's and it's something that needs to be researched. Are any of them in uh, in public areas that people could could check out? Um, currently, no. The, there will be one in early December. Will be in. In, in a public location in Southern California. Hmm. And, um, and then shortly after that, we'll have another one with those same people in a different location in Southern California. So these things have to be around people. That's what they're for. <clears throat> and when there's people not around, um, the location, it's really strange. And I don't know that we, re we really need to go there, but... Um, we have all these dinosaurs here because they all came back. Wow. Nobody asked for their money back. Nobody said anything. It was no big deal. They just said, well, you know, I think the one lady, she got elderly and she says, well, I'm going to a retirement home. Can you come and get it? So I went and got it. And another one, it, it just found its way here and it's here. But they need to be around people. That's what they're for. They're here for us to wake up and uh, gain a bigger, better knowledge of ourselves and of the physics and the universe. And these things will do that. I know my life has changed dramatically since we started this project. It sounds almost psychedelic. <clears throat> yeah, it does. It sounds like a light, a light psychedelic experience. Well, well, actually, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I'm sure some people have had something like that. But generally speaking, it's just a, a love energy. And, and, you know, if you look the other way, you forget about it. So what was Keeley? Do you know what Keeley was trying to accomplish with dinospheres? <clears throat> I believe, see, the dinospheres were his second attempt at building an uh, energy system for the world. His first system was based on uh, what he called etheric vapor, which was disassociated water. And he gave that up because it just wasn't working for him after years of working with it. And he moved to the dinosaurs because these are a higher expression of those energies. 
Uh, for instance, he could draw a symbol on the wall with a piece of chalk. Mm -hmm. And the motor across the room would start to spin. So he understood the uh, linkage between mechanics and, and mind. These forces that we're talking about. You know, somebody feels an energy, they feel it in their consciousness. So this is all about mind energy, mind force. Right. And um, humanity doesn't yet know much about that. So maybe this is the introductory for that. Hmm. Have you have you noticed it changing since you've been involved in this? Like with the internet, with all the all the people working on free energy devices, like the the Keshis of the world or the um, Nassim Harriman's of the world. Like, is 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 the do you find the consciousness of the public expanding quite a bit? Yes, it is. Um, in the old days, <clears throat> everybody was pretty much mechanical, Newtonian, classical physics oriented. Uh -huh. Over the years, you start seeing more and more people talk about mind energy and so-called spirit energy and scalar this and scalar that. And when you break it all down into its essence, then these higher forces are nothing other than different expressions of the mind force. People are starting to catch on that. They don't know what to do with it yet, but they're they're talking about it, and you see more postings in places like Facebook. It's not such a strange topic anymore. Right, right. There's a lot of universities digging into this, a lot of them. In fact, when the University of uh, Princeton University came out with their report a few years back, it was so solidly done that some major corporations like Boeing Aircraft, for instance, started what they call the Psychic Lab. Hmm. And we don't know how many other companies have started similar efforts. Since now we know it's a real force, I mean, Princeton University says it's a real force, then it's a real force. Are you talking about the Paralab, like Prince Princeton, uh, what was it called, it's something anomalies research? Yeah, pair proposition. Yeah. Yeah, um, Huh. So it's real, and everybody's trying to get a handle on it. And I, I tell people that today's world is very much like the elect electrical world was 100, 150 years ago. It was it, electricity had been a parlor game for thousands of years, where people would rub amber with silk or something, and then shock each other. You know, it was a game, parlor game. But 150, 200 years ago, people started digging around in it, and one guy came up with a meter, and another guy came up with a gauge, and so there was volts and amps and ohms, and all those things started being quantified. And when they started quantifying it, it became a science. So we're at that same point today. This mind stuff where you bend spoons and psychokinesis and stuff like that are just games because we don't really know what it is and we're just playing around with it. Mm -hmm. But when we start making the meter, well, then it becomes hard science. And we're at that stage right now. Is, is that kind of where like sympathetic vibratory physics comes in? Or? Is yeah, sympathetic vibratory physics uh, is a term that Keeley coined. You know, you got to remember that in his day when he was doing his work, science and all the scientists around him knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that atoms were indivisible. They were the smallest pieces of matter. 
So here was Keeley breaking atoms and creating subatomic soups of all different kinds, which he called ether. <clears throat> and nobody would believe him because you can't do that. The earth is flat. You can't do that. <clears throat> so they didn't know what he was doing. And, and those who did get a glimpse of what he was doing, um, what could they say? Because none of their peers would accept the idea that an atom could be broken. So he was too far ahead of his time. And uh, where were we going? What was the question now? Well, it was about about sympathetic vibratory physics. Like, like you talked what? about you talked about how this stuff is becoming measurable, right? Like, once we start being able to meter it, um, that's when the science really starts. And I mean, you know, we've been talking about quantum science for a while now, and people are starting to really measure the stuff. And to me, it kind of comes back down to like vibrations, right? And being able to measure, I guess that. Is that, what, is that sort of where we're going? or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, standard physics um, deals a lot in vibratory phenomena, but primarily they deal in uh, energy content, energy states, which can be defined in vibratory states, but they talk energy all the time. So until they talk more about the vibratory side of it, um, they're going to keep... You know, I'm not going to say Keeley was 100% correct, because who knows, you know. But for them, for them to get a handle on what Keeley was doing, they're going to talk more vibration than they are talking energy states. Yeah. If we mix in the Russell phenomena, philosophy, then, yeah, we get into the energy states more so than vibration. So, And that's all vibration is anyway, by the way. It's a change of state. And the, the changes of state is between contraction and expansion so um, it's all relative it can get really complicated if you want to get into complication but um, vibration you know I spent a lot of time studying this vibration what is a vibration and you can find all kinds of descriptions of it but what is it <laughs> and it's a periodic change of state from contraction to expansion hmm. That's the best description there is for what a vibration is. And um, that change of state takes place in stages. We're not going to get too technical here, but it, it takes it, it's a stage thing where there's different levels. It goes up so many levels and comes back so many levels. And it just does that over and over and over, and over again. So it's, it's not so much a, a, a wave, like a water wave. It's... Uh, it's a change of state of the water where it expands and it contracts. And then the measure of that expansion, is that frequency then? Um, That'd be the rate of the expansion and contraction, I would say. Well, there is a rate of expansion and contraction. Uh, the cause of the expansion and contraction, I think, is what you're looking for, hmm. is also a function of vibration, relative vibration. And those relations between vibrations only take place through a sympathetic medium. So the science is getting starting to get really deep into quantum entanglement. Well, it turns out quantum entanglement is the exact same thing as sympathetic vibratory physics. Hmm. That's what Keeley was doing 120 years ago. He called it sympathy because in those days they used the term sympathy correctly. In yeah. that, <laughs> 
synonym for sympathy is love. It's not feeling sorry for somebody. <laughs> it's feeling the same as somebody. So what is quantum entanglement? Two particles feeling the exact same two states in two different locations. So how do you define love? That's a description of love. I ever heard it. So mm -hmm. it's a physics of love, if you want to use that terminology. But it's all the same. It's how these particles associate, or rather centers, how these centers associate vibratorily. When there is harmony in the vibrations, then there's contraction. And when there's discord, there's dispersion. Hmm. Same thing with the dinosaurs. When you, they got this tremendous harmonic field, and, and it's very attractive to people. I mean, people just love these things. And it's a function, not so much of the beauty of it, which plays a part, but it's in these unseen but felt vibrations. Women feel it. Women are very sensitive to these things, and they pick it up a lot better than men do. What if you, like, gave it a little, like, a little ding with, like, a stick? Does that affect it? Like, is it like an instrument in that, in that effect? Uh, well, it's got a lot of musical attributes. It's got... Uh, guitar strings on it. It's got a whole bunch of resonators, like whistle-type resonators. Um, the design of it is such that the parts vibrate in certain modes for, for specific purposes. A sphere itself is a focalizer. It focalizes the vibrations to the center. And in the center of that sphere, there's seven whistle-type resonators. And then there's another drum inside that also vibrates purposefully so it's a combination of all those things that wow. creates sonic field wow so i've had experiences with sound and 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 vibrations too and i just went to um last week actually i went to like this crystal bowl sound bath so where you kind of lie down in meditation and they'll play like you know crystal those pure crystal singing bowls over you and i've also had like a breath a breath and sound uh, journey sort of experience where I could feel like shockers vibrating, like my whole body vibrating. So to me, like <clears throat> it's super interesting because vibrations now have this, in a way it's like a negative uh, new age term, right? Like, you know, raise your vibrations and people love to make fun of it and all that. And it's kind of, but to me, there's, there's something there, right? There's like, there's a way that the sympathetic vibrations, but there's gotta be a way as well that we can, you know, increase our vibrations even just internally, but also through sound or, or other things. Yeah, all of that's uh, going on out there, and, and I really wish they'd be a little bit more accurate with their terminology, but uh, it is what it is. Um, when they say raise your vibration, is mostly a psychological concept. Um, in vibratory terms, there's several functions that can go on one of which is discord versus harmony. If you're thinking negative thoughts, you know, you guy cuts you off in the traffic or something like that, you know, and so you generate a negative thought. That's a discordant thought. And it creates chaos in your life. I mean, you had the thoughts, so the chaos is going to be in your life, not that guy's life. Hmm. And... So the idea is to start shedding these discordant thoughts that we have. You know, maybe somebody messed us over years ago and we're carrying around this grudge for years. 
Well, that grudge is going to manifest in your body as an illness. And um, so we have to start um, letting go of the negative thoughts, the embedded negative thinking, um, and start moving more towards harmonic, harmonious thinking, which is love. You know, love thy neighbor, there's no joke. If you're out there fighting and scratching around with your neighbors, like you see over in the Middle East, what do you got? Chaos. So doesn't that technically raise your vibration then? Like all that stuff, you, you, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like if you change your state of being, you kind of are changing your vibration, aren't you? That's right. Exactly right. So you're moving from a discordant focus in your mind to a harmonious focus in your mind. And, and, and that will manifest in your life as a harmonious life. Hmm. So that that's that's what they used to call purifying. You know, you're purifying yourself. You're dumping all the negativity. And there's also this idea that we have to have a higher frequency. You, you know, that's where they call talk about raising your vibration to a higher frequency. Right, right. Um I have yet to resolve if that equates to anything or not. Hmm. Um, yeah, in a, in a, a higher degree of harmony is what they really mean. That's what they're really talking about. Because if you're in perfect harmony, you're one with God. So what else is there? Right. And um, so raising the vibration is a good tool because it, it creates that imagery that we can latch on to and, and, you know, it becomes real. And it's okay. You know, as long as it works for what people intended for it, okay, who's, who's going to argue with it? And, um, um, well, it gets technical between vibration and oscillation, and, and it's a little bit, I think I'm too tired of going to that. <laughs> yeah. But, but there is a there is a point in there where the vibrations increase and the oscillations decrease and vice versa. And, and so they're a pair. What one does, the other does in reverse and reciprocal motions. And I wish that concept would become more prevalent, that it's not, not just vibration. It's also oscillation that's going on. And they're concurrent, and you can't separate them. Uh, there's a lot to vibration, and, and uh, I love it that people are digging into it and are writing books and are doing workshops and conferences and uh, and documentaries yeah you got this you know chimatics now too which is kind of that visual picture a beautiful you know um almost sacred geometrical picture of what is that like atoms and basically a picture of the atoms vibration really from no. through sound right not really no they <laughs> <laughs> enlighten me no the, this there's uh what is it two kinds of cymatics the dry powder and the liquids Right. The liquids, like water, is um, what's actually happening is there's a combination between combination of motions of uh, the container that's being vibrated, mm -hmm. which will set up modes of vibration. That's that's the main thing that you're seeing. Hang on a second. I'm going to sneeze here. And then there's a little bit of reverberation off of the container that causes the motion in the liquids. 
So I don't think we're actually seeing the vibration. For instance, if you put 400 hertz into the mechanism, does the wave pattern show you the 400 hertz, or is it showing you the mode patterns of the container? I guess the only way to know for sure would be to have an infinite container. <laughs> well, a lot of research has been done with cymatics. I mean, you, you dig back through the literature, and a lot of people have done a lot of work with those things, and, and uh, even trained scientists and engineers have done it, with, especially with the powder. And yeah, the, that's kind of one, the one I was talking about with the, with the powder. Yeah, and it demonstrates that depending on the frequency at which you vibrate the plate, it'll form a different pattern. Now, the pattern you see is the pattern of the modes of the plate. It's not the vibrations. It's it's the modes. It's the different ways that the plate uh, moves. Due to, due to the sound. Due to the frequencies of the sound. Huh, right? so huh. There's this sympathetic connection between the vibrations coming into the plate and the plate's response to that. And its response will create these uh, zones of no powder. And that's the pattern you see. And those zones of no powder, wait a minute, I got it backwards. Where the powder is, that's where the modes are. Vice versa. Where the plate's not moving is a neutral place. The one side of that non-moving area is moving down and the other side is moving up usually and um, so they'll throw the powder off into these areas where the powder gathers because that part of the plate's not moving does that make any sense yeah yeah that, that makes sense i didn't really think about it as much as the as the plate affecting it I always thought it was just like the sound and the plate was just a neutral kind of a, you know, platform for it. The plate flexes, yeah. and the, the flexes that it goes through will vary depending on the frequency, and hence you get these different patterns showing up. Hmm. And it's got, it, it's not really, it doesn't really have anything to do with the vibration, but it's a frequency that causes the modes to show up. So they're intimately linked. You can't separate one from the other. Um, different plates of different materials will show different modes. Right, right. Got a question there, Darren? Yeah, getting back to the Dynasphere for a second. Uh, have you heard of any other similar devices or anything else uh, getting similar results? Uh, remotely. You know, people talk about crystals having this energy or that energy. However, crystal's not a mechanical construct that somebody built in a machine shop. And I think that's where ours differs is that, you know, we took a bunch of metal and we cut it in specific shapes and put it all together. And now we got this energy and you can go out and get crystals. People talk about crystals doing that and, and just about anything. Once you start getting sensitive to this energy, you can find it in just about anything you want, any place you want to look. Hmm. People, kittens, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's it's the same energy. There's only one life force out there, and we apparently we can channel it. We can build devices that can harness it or concentrate it or channel whatever. What kind of tolerances do you figure you're working with? Well, some parts are quite tight, up to a thousandth of an inch, and other parts, there it doesn't matter much. 
<laughs> what the part is and what role it's playing, you know. So have you you've been going to these uh, conferences and stuff like that? Like you started at that one of those free energy ones when you brought your your first dinosaur there. Have you have you uh, have you seen an increase in that, or is there any other f- sort of free energy devices that you're studying or you're 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 um, resonating with right now? Well, we're always considering what anybody comes up with, and it's starting to come out of the woodwork. You know, they're coming out everywhere, and. And a lot of different modalities and, and just crazy ideas. But that's what we need. We need thousands and thousands of people doing exactly what they're doing. Right. Because somebody's going to stumble on some anomalous effect and, and it's going to be world changing. So in, in my personal case, you know, I've got interest. I studied Russell material. He made a machine back in the 60s and supposedly it worked. And that's a very interesting machine from a physics standpoint in that we don't fully understand how it's supposed to work. And um, the Rhone device where they're working with inert gases, that's fascinating work. And this cashy thing, I haven't seen enough information in print for me to really pick up and have an idea about it yet. Yeah, apparently he just published his uh, blueprints for that. I've got, there's a bunch of local guys here in, in town that are starting to build their own now. I guess there's a little groups all over the place that are playing around with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we need. We need thousands of people doing this. What about storing data on crystals and things like that? Well, there's laboratories out there that are doing that. I wonder if you could use a crystal, like, because it's given off all the vibrations, and if you could store the data. You could, like, throw it in the room, and it would be, like, constantly Down. storing. Uh, no, it would be, like, constantly giving you, like, a sonar image of what's in the room. I've heard stories of things like that. I didn't give much credence, but the sources were good. So I said, okay, well, we'll just think about that. A lot of this stuff's new, and we don't really understand it, so I just put it in my wonder basket. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And you could just find a rock and see, like, what should, what was going down back in the dinosaur days. <laughs> like, watching video. I read a story um, years ago where this psychic guy, somebody gave him a rock that they found someplace and asked him what he could uh, into it off of the rock, and... I forget what he found, but he, he did. He had this long story that this rock had gone through. And um, then somebody gave him a fragment of the flag that was hanging in Congress. Apparently they switched flags or something. Somebody got a piece of it. And he just abhorred all the corruption and stuff that was coming off of that flag. So, yeah, ob- in, supposedly inanimate objects contain energy that can be read by people. Sensitive people. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories like that too on other podcasts, and it sounds like it's somewhat corroborable. So, I think, though, scientifically, maybe I think you know, maybe one day it'd be like a little hard drive. Yeah. Well, I met that guy. Remember that the other night about the guy who's worked for General Electric uh, in the space program, programming crystals with lasers and stuff. So obviously, you know, there's some pretty high tech stuff going on there. Yeah. And that's the stuff we hear about. We don't hear about what they're really doing. Ah, yes. They're not going to tell us what they're really doing. That resonates with me. I was going to ask you about that, about, um, you know, talking about all these free energy 
you know, ideas and devices, and you talked about some that supposedly had some. So do you think that those those sort of epiphanies, not really a good word, but those revolutions have happened and then been suppressed? Do you have a conspiratorial take on that at all? I think, well, yeah, there's been a lot of suppression, but I think these, you know, this kind of stuff has been going on since before Keeley's time. Right. They had circuits in those days. It was just pumping out electricity in the 1880s. Huh. So, yeah, some of this stuff was suppressed purposely. Some was just lost because the guy died, you know, and his kids sold off his stuff. But I believe there's a segment of society out there that has captured this technology and made use of it. Yeah. I mean, if you had... if. If if you were born into a family that had billions of dollars and you're sitting around on a beach wondering what the hell you're going to do with your life and you get all this money and you hear these stories, why not? Exactly. And and as if you would tell everybody and let it go commercially, right? You'd keep it for, um, you know, unhindered so, development, right? Yeah. You, 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 you and your rich buddies would do it. Yeah, that's where we get into the breakaway civilization. I, I, totally, I totally agree with you there. If something's going on at this uh, this higher level. Well, one of the articles we found from Keeley's time was uh, they were building this uh, cigar-shaped plan device out behind his shop. It was, I think he said it was 90 feet long. Uh-huh. Well, you don't, under, you don't build something like that, you know, just because you think you're going to build something like that. I mean, that would have cost in today's money tens and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. These guys are scientists. Keeley was a scientist, first and foremost. And when when was that? And did you say it was, that was the late 1800s? Yeah, 1880s, early 1890s. Yeah, and then they had the airship sightings of... Uh the late oh was that the late 1900s the airship the oh, late yeah, the, 1900s yeah airships? so yeah so like there was 20 that years was, ago no no the late 1900s 1800s yeah, <laughs> yeah then there was a bunch of airship sightings in the late 1900s i think or was it 18 now uh-huh. now i'm confused but i mean you were in i was in high school in the late 1900s what are you talking about i'm talking like 1900s not 20 not 1990s. Like, I'm talking about 1900s, right? Oh, so, oh, I see. Like the decade, not century. Oh, so no. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm all confused. So, yeah, the late 1800s. So, like, 1896, there was airship sightings all over the place. Right. And, Just, you know, and you wonder. So, you're, you know, these guys are talking about these cigar-shaped things 20 years earlier than that. Yeah. And there's still cigar-shaped UFOs flying around all over the place. So, it, it's, yeah, it's interesting. You know, there's uh, one guy in, in, I think it's another one, Theo Payment, wrote a book about Keeley, and the main premise of the book was he was trying to tie Keeley's levitating flying device to these early UFO sightings. Wow. I don't think he presented a credible story about that, but he he did pull together a lot of information. I mean, you got to give the guy A-plus for his research ability. (laughs) So, yeah, there were sightings in the 1890s, about the time Keeley was flying his thing all over Philadelphia and elsewhere. So, yeah, you know, nobody in their right mind who has the means is going to let that technology slip by. Yeah, I agree. So somebody got it and somebody's developed it and somebody's been using it all this time. 
And and the only chance we have now is like what you said, getting thousands of people open sourcing this type of stuff to to get some real commercial breakthroughs. Well, what's really got to happen before any of this stuff can happen is the mind of humanity's got to call it forth. If the general public is not aware of this stuff, isn't that they're never going to have it? They got to be aware of it on some level of their awareness. So the more people work with this, and the more people talk about it, and they spread it around. We're building up this mindset that will call this technology into being. That's why we're doing this. Yeah, that's that's what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to thousands of people over the past few decades, and and it's it's stunning in that the people who are unaware. Yeah. And you just... You, you know, it's stunning. You don't know what to think. You know, I don't want to run into somebody like that. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, every now and then you run into this brilliant, genius, loving person and you say, well, that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, that's well said. Have you had any personal experiences, like either like spiritual awakenings or any, like you mentioned that epiphany you had with your dinospheres, but has there been anything else that you... Uh, that has sort of changed your, your path? Yeah, I've had quite a few of them, actually. Um, um, even before, way before any of this stuff started for me, like in the 70s, I had this motorcycle. I was in my 20s, so you know everybody's got a motorcycle in their 20s. And I was flying down the highway. It was a summer day. It was beautiful. I was going up to see my girlfriend, so I was in a prime state of mind. I come over the crest <laughs> of this hill, and this huge valley stretching out in front of me, and all of a sudden it was just, you know, the beauty of it and everything, the yeah, sun, and yeah. just kaboom, just like that, man. It was like, I saw the light, man. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I saw the light. <laughs> yeah, you felt like at one. I felt at one, man. I saw the oneness of it all. Uh, and it was 60 miles an hour in the back of this motorcycle. And um, there were there were many times. It wasn't a psychic experience, but it was the same type of thing where we walked on fire. And if you haven't done that, I strongly suggest people, if, they're, if they feel ready, to do it. Because it will change your mind about life. Hmm. And, you know, you get up near that better coals and you can't get near it you can only get about six feet from it before it's too hot you know and yet after a while you're walking on it and there's no sense for my case i can't speak for anybody else but in my case there was no sensation of heat whatsoever wow not on my feet not on my clothes nothing it was just like nothing actually it felt like i was walking on popcorn America bears no responsibility for it. <laughs> Did yeah, the first time, the first time it was like nothing? Yeah. Were you like ready for it and shit? Or was it just like, how does how that take us through that? Take us through that like couple minutes before you're walking on red hot coals. What's going through your head? Well, we're nuts. We're all crazy, you know? And, you know, that's what's going through your head. And you, so anyway, they got they had in this particular case they had this lady who 
we, she sat everybody down while they were building a fire outside and, and she talked about this and she was very calm and very centered and and she told us all about what we're to experience and whatnot. And then she rolled out this sheet of paper about 10 foot long and she said, okay, we're going to make believe this is a, the cause and you're all going to walk on this piece of paper. And I thought first, oh, that's BS, you know, I don't need to walk. And I said, no, stupid. She's the teacher. You do what she says. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I walked on the paper and and then we all go outside when the coals are, when the fire's burnt down and and we start walking in a big circle around this better coals, which was five paces long. I figure about 20 foot or so. And um, you walk in this big circle and there's like 60 or 70 people out there walking around this big circle. And they said, there's two guys standing at the head of this bed of coals. And she says, these guys are gatekeepers. And she said, if and when you feel you want to walk on the, on the coals, you walk between the gatekeepers. And she said, when you pass the gatekeepers, you do not stop. You do not slow down. You do not run. You just keep going. That's hmm. your that's your commitment place. He said, you can, you can turn around and, and change your mind anytime you want. But once you go between them, no running, no stopping, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's a commitment. You know, you make this commitment. And um, so we were walking around this circle, seems like forever, because everybody's chicken. Who wouldn't be chicken? I'd be uh, chicken. <laughs> I'd be chicken. I was chicken. Everybody was chicken. So down, I was down at the end of this thing, passing by in a circle walk, and this, this young girl, like 12, 13 years old, comes prancing down across the coal, smiling like crazy. I said, wow, that's pretty, wow, you know. <clears throat> then you walk around a few more times, and here the same gal comes walking down. She's like she's having a time of her life walking on these coals. And other people started to walk on it and everything. And then I saw this young gal come down there again, you know, and I said to myself, well, if she can do it, I can certainly do it. You know, pretty stupid logic, but. <clears throat> I so think it's sound. Yeah, well, it was what I thought was going through my mind at the time. But um, so getting around to the head of the where the gatekeepers were, and I said, "Okay, let's do this." And I took a walk, stepped right through there, and and I had my foot up. It's my right foot I was going to put down first, and it flashed in my mind that, "Man, are you out of your freaking mind, or what are you doing here?" And, <laughs> And no, you know, there was just this, this no, no, go for it. Just do it. And I put my foot down, and then I put my other foot down, and I got out in the middle of this thing, and I started saying, where's the heat? Just no he got here. Which, of course, was the wrong thing to say. And um, uh, the last foot on the calls started getting warm. But that's all it was. And I, I was in a group of four or five people. We'd come out to do this together. And I was in the lead of that group. And they all followed. They all walked right on through. Nobody got burnt feet? I didn't see or hear of anybody getting burnt. Wow. How many times have you done it? I only did it that once. Was there, was it like any sort of, 
like shamanic there was any ritual to it like um other than like you're just sort of training and the rules set down was there any any sort of like like did you have to practice breathing at first was there breath techniques or anything with it no no there wasn't anything just fucking go for it there was no religion there was no spirituality there was no shamanism there was no nothing it was just this lady talking to us beforehand and then um, she's setting the tone. All you're really doing is setting your mode of consciousness. Because you know when they hypnotize people, they can put a ice cube on them and say it's a hot coal and it'll raise blisters. Yeah, that's awesome. crazy. It reminds me of this Wim Hof guy who's the ice man, they call him. Wim Hof. And, and he runs marathons in his shorts in the Arctic and he, he climbs climbed Mount Everest, Everest in, in his shorts. shorts. And like. So he does all these extreme. Actually, he ran in a marathon in the Sahara too. Like it's super hot. So he he does the same thing. He just sets his intention and he practices his breathing technique, and he can master master the elements. Well, just look at this stuff with some common sense. You know, here you walk up to this bed of coals, and you can't get closer than six feet to it because it's so hot. And then after a while, you know, you walk around a circle and everything, and, and you step on it, and, uh, and there's no sensation of heat on your bare feet. So you got to ask yourself, I just experienced two realities. One of them is not true, or are they both true? Right. And you can do the same thing with uh, uh, spoon bending. You know, you get a spoon, they're really rigid. Some of them are really tough, you know, and, and you, you get in the right frame of mind. It's all about mind. Right frame of mind, and that spoon all of a sudden feels real soft like putty, and you can just twist it in a knot. Wow. Really? Okay, so what's real? Is the spoon soft or is it hard? Or is there no spoon like in the Matrix movie? <laughs> I'd probably go with the third one if I had to pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's what it all boils down to, this mind force and the mind state. Um, this, the, uh, what do you call that pseudo effect when you, uh, medicine, when they give you a sugar pill? Uh, placebo. Placebo. That word is always hard for me to remember. <laughs> the placebo effect shows this exact same phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what's real? Is the medicine real or is the sugar pill real? I know how 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 backwards is our society when when they use the placebo effect in their in their studies as a as a as a baseline measurement and yet they don't acknowledge the phenomena really. <laughs> okay, well it boils down to the fact that is the disease real that you're treating? Oh yeah. Those are just bad vibrations. Well, it's all in the mind. So if you change your mind, see, we've been told over and over and over and over again through the centuries that the mind, the body, reflects the mind. So whatever you're thinking, it will eventually show up in your body. So That's if you're about mean, so below. Yeah, if you're mean and nasty, it'll show up as a disease or an ailment or something in your body. Or a belief. This guy, Phineas Quimby, if you haven't read about him, you really ought to read about him because he's a man who sorted this stuff out. <clears throat> and he healed like 11, 12,000 people almost completely just talking to him because he came to the understanding that, and here's a distillation of his book. He said, every illness is caused by a belief, and at the core of every belief is an idea. Hmm. It's all mind, right? It's all thought. 
So he changed the idea, and poof, whatever illness they had was gone. And the problem, and the problem is, is that this a lot of it's subconscious. The the ideas are, you know, embedded in your consciousness, and the belief is, you know, these negative belief patterns are not necessarily, you know, upfront in your consciousness. They're deep, deeply rooted. Yeah, some of them are very deeply rooted. Um, 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 what's a guy, L. Ron Hubbard? If you read his science work, the Dianetics work. He's right on the money. He's exactly on what he was talking about. Scientologist? Yeah. No, I didn't say Scientologist. I said <laughs> Dianetics. Yeah, exactly. It's. I don't know about the Isn't he the Hubbard? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's uh, it's his stuff before that. Dianetics, I but, think. Yeah. But Hubbard did. Is what I said. What Hubbard did was correct. What others did with his work is is not part of this conversation. Right. Exactly. So. This concept is known, it's well-known, it's been known. It's the same concept Jesus taught 2,000 years ago. Love yourself as your neighbor, and all the crap in your life will disappear. Well, people don't want to do that. They want to say, well, my, I'm, my dream is more real than yours. <laughs> yeah, almost every, every tradition going back, Buddhism, all that stuff has... We, we've known about this, we've known about it, and we've been taught about it, and people have been preaching about it, and we still don't get it. And it, you, you look out there in the world and say, my God, it's so simple and nobody's getting it. What's going on here? I don't know what's going on. These are questions I'm asking. I'm not looking for answers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not from us, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's almost absurd, you know? Well, I have hope for... Uh for people that can connect through the internet now that have experiences like that experience on your motorbike and that, you know, like how wonderful that you remember that so clearly from, from back then. And I've had a couple experiences like that awakenings or whatever myself. And now we can talk about it in a less judgment mental atmosphere. And I think the more people that have these experiences and talk about it, I think that's really what's going to start opening things up a little bit more. Well, let me tell you about experiences here. Now that we're on to this, this is really important. It's when people wake up. And um, I had this fellow show up. He was totally out of his mind. I mean, like, I was a little bit afraid of what was going on with this guy. <laughs> you know, he's a crazy man. And, you know, he was on his own. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any Nothing, you know, so I said, okay, you can stay here a couple of days. Well, two or three days go by, you know, and this guy's, you know, I'm wondering to kick this guy out or whatever. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, he's not crazy. He's waking up. Hmm. And when I realized that, then it got real easy. Then I knew what was happening. I could sit down and tell him what ha what was happening to him because he had no idea. He thought he was, you know, totally off his rocker. And but by understanding that and walking him through it and telling him what was going on, he started to calm down, and he started to get a hold of himself, and he's he's changed his entire life. And this dynamic that I'm describing here, where people feel like they're going crazy, it happened to me back in the '80s. I thought I was. Crazy. Uh, I think everybody around me thought I was crazy, too. And there was nobody around there then in those days to tell me what was going on. I had to kind of live through it and wake up, you know, figure it out on my own. But 
But I've seen that, that same dynamic many times with the dinosaur, not to that dramatic extent that this guy was. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, we now know what's going on when these things happen. So there's a lot of people out there. And, and by the way, this guy, the reason he was uh, out on the end of his rope was because he didn't know what was going on and nobody around him knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So they sent him to doctors and everything. And they just pump him full of all these chemicals. My God, the guy was hiring a kite, you know. And it was, I think that was the scary part. <laughs> how, how totally out of a common sense mind, you know, a stable mind this guy got. And it was only because nobody around him could tell him what was going on. When I started telling him what was going on, he calmed down immediately. And he's been progressing ever since. <laughs> the point I want to make is, um, not all these people look like they're crazy or crazy. They could be just waking up. And all we need to do is talk to them. Yeah, give them some non-judgmental attention. Give, give, give them some support. Give them some ideas. Um, <laughs> said, no, this is, you're not crazy. You're waking up. And what waking up means, and that this is important too, is you go through life and you develop your life concept, your philosophy of life, everything you knew, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you start to wake up. All of that gets shoved away. Yeah. And it's a whole new view of life is being born. So the craziness is this, there's this place in the middle where you, you letting go of what you knew to be true and solid and you can rely on. And now all of a sudden you're being asked to step out in the, over the, the abyss, like in the movie, when the guy stepped on that thing. You know, faith. You got to take the leap into the unknown, and so it's 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 this contention, this fight that goes on internally to let go of the old, your friends, your family, everything you thought you knew and held dear, and you're going to embrace what? And it's that confusion. You know, it creates more and more confusion, and the confusion creates fear. Yeah, and the fear creates the craziness because they want to lash out at everybody. They're angry about everything because they don't know what's going on. And, and that's typical. You know, you want love, so you're attacking everybody. So this guy was attacking everybody, and especially himself, because he didn't know what was going on, and he didn't know how to get a handle on it. And I'm giving you this information firsthand, and I've, I've seen many, many people go through the same dynamic, although not to that degree. Mm-hmm. And it's common, and it's going to happen more and more and more. And those of us who have been through it or have heard about it and know something about it, it's up to us to help these people. Else, I mean, it gets suicidal. <laughs> so just step in and, and um, use your common sense. Use your heart and your common sense. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, interesting. That's why we kind of do the show is we really, I mean, honestly, it's a platform for people to share their experiences. And we talk about listeners' experiences all the time and kind of just try and be non-judgmental and supportive. And it's, uh, people seem to be resonating with it. Hey, Darren? Very good for We need a dinosphere, though. Yeah, we do need a dinosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, what you can, and we've had many people do this. Uh, you can download the photographs off the wiki or the website. 
and hang those on your wall wherever you meditate or you know wherever you feel right place to put it because we've had many testimonials of people who've done that and it's helped them okay we'll do that we'll have a, we'll, we'll put a couple pictures uh, nice pictures in the studio here you'd be amazed we'll frame one yeah yeah right on dale well this has been a this has been a great chat i, I appreciate the uh, your time and learning about all this stuff vibrations and dinospheres and yeah it's uh it's kind of nice to get to the bottom of it well thank you so much for allowing me to speak with you and and having a great format to chat you're very relaxed and very easy to talk to great now that's good so we're gonna also just so you know we're gonna put all your information in the show notes of this podcast so people will be able to find you and find your dinospheres and find all your work at the pond science institute right well thank you very much for that you're welcome yeah, take care. We'll send you a, a link when we're when we're finished. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Dale. Come back anytime. All right. All right, buddy. Take care. Good night. our chat with Mr. Dale Pond. Big thanks to Dale for coming on the show. What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I want to... Uh, fucking ridiculous. I want to... Uh, you know, I still want to get into vibrations a little bit more, actually. Because... Um, I bet you do. I just, I just want to know how <clears throat> like sound, for example, resonates with our cells. Like, I want that. I want to be... I want to articulate that at that like really um, clean level. Do you know what I mean? No. You don't know what I mean? I wonder if you could like... Like I want to prove that like let's say our cell or some part of the <clears throat> your microorganisms vibrate at this certain frequency and that if you play certain... Because like, I felt it in my body before, right? I guess I just would like to know how that's happening, right? If you play a crystal singing bowl in front of you, that it resonates with that frequency and that, at that micro level. Yeah, there's something to be said about that. Like if you play a guitar, like if you play a musical instrument and the, the same instrument is over there with the same note, like it'll, it'll vibrate, right? That harmonizes. string will vibrate. Yeah. yeah, it harmonizes. So that's happening in our bodies all the time. I just want to know how it happens for some So I think this guy's onto something. That dinosphere is what is doing that's that, that's right? That's feel good music makes you feel good. The dinosphere? We got to print a copy up and put it Plot in the studio here. Plot one. We'll put no. it on the ceiling. Right in the middle? Yeah. Mm. Can you plot HD? No. 
don't piece think so. Of shit. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I could take it to the printers. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, grimerica.ca slash support. <laughs> Check out all the different options there, how you can support the show. Um, and yeah, send Graham your stories, your synchros, your profound quotes, your dirty laundry. Tell your friends about the show. Sign people up for the newsletter. Anything else? T-shirts available, man. Check out. How do they see what uh, what T-shirts are? Do they have to go know. to Twitter to do They're it? Fucking or? all over. Can we put it on the website? They're all over the place. We probably could, but we haven't. Okay, so we should do that. We should have a page on the website, probably. That I guess. What else are you gonna do? Can't we just throw it somewhere in somewhere else? Like somewhere just in some random blog post. We could do that. Put a blog post up, and people could just go and search for an old post. That's interesting. That could be an easy way to do it. Or we could just have a. a I don't really want a page button like, at the top that says. Shirt store. Picks. We don't, we're not selling these things. No, They're that's what I mean. I don't want donation that. incentives. Yeah, and spreading the word. It's kind of a marketing thing. I forgot to talk about the four hundred thirty-two dollars to join us for a show. Talk about it now, buddy. Four hundred thirty-two dollars to join us for a show. Well, James Nation donated a laptop to us. Yeah. For our cause. Thank you very much. It's a huge help. Skype has improved. We're having a dedicated Skype laptop, Skype and internet, and he's helping us with our internet connection in here. And he's coming on next week to interview Stanton Friedman. Yeah. So that was his request. So, so that's yeah. going to be fun. So Any of you guys that donate, uh, once you get, we're counting on you to do your accounting, but when you feel you've hit $432, let us know and we will... Let us know who you'd want to be on the show with, and we will see if we can make it happen. We'll yeah. keep going down the list till we find someone who will finally agree to come on. Yeah. No politicians. Unless it's Bernie <laughs> Mac. <laughs> I'd take Obama. Or Putin. Take him where? Hunting. Obama? <laughs> Hunting. Maybe that too. <laughs> You sad, sad little man. <laughs> On that note, good a note as any. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Tell your friends about the show.
I want a good score from a synchronicity If Graham reads it out, then Darren might give it to me Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah